we would first like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is produced. We respectfully acknowledge the unceded territory of the Wurundjeri people and pay our respects to the elders, past, present and emerging, of the Kulin Nation. It's one of the primary culprits behind every major environmental concern, whether you're talking about climate change, water pollution, air pollution, or deforestation. The production of one hamburger creates as much greenhouse gas as driving a car for 320 kilometers. Climate change is the biggest threat to security that modern humans have ever faced. Welcome to the Swanson Explainer. I'm Billy Donbez, and today we're going to dive into the world of a new kind of meat. You've probably heard of vegan sausages or fake chicken, but what we're talking about here is a whole new development. Scientists can now actually grow stem cells from animals and produce meat that is real meat, yet entirely free of any animal cruelty. When visiting the supermarket, most of us don't think twice about the origins of the meat we purchase, let alone the amount of energy that goes into its production. We don't consider how far it travelled to be on the shelf, or how much water was used in its production. It's likely that unless you're an animal welfare-minded vegetarian or vegan, you rarely let your mind wander to the abattoir. But look how the workers treat the sheep. They're thrown around, smashed against walls. We've seen the same kinds of abuse take place in several other slaughterhouses. And so while it's always awful to see sheep being picked up and beaten and thrown and so on, that really is something that everybody should be shocked and disgusted about. So let's first look at where the situation stands in 2021. In the next 50 years, we wouldn't have needed to have raised more food than we have produced in the last 10,000 years combined even as climate change makes the agricultural industry less predictable. Meat production as it stands is costly, especially in terms of the amount of energy and emissions spent. According to environmental group Ceres, the average shipment of beef products travels 298 kilometers from farm gate to shop. I'm speaking with Ada Hall, a reporter on the issue. Hey Ada, thanks for joining me today. Hi Belly, thank you so much for having me. So Ada, can you tell us how much water are we looking at to produce the food we eat? Yeah, so a lot of water is needed to sustain just one animal alone. And in terms of irrigated agriculture here in Australia, it alone uses around 60% of the water available for human use. So I was able to go and speak with Melbourne-based ecologist Oakley Jermack on the environmental impacts the agricultural industry is causing and what steps he believes it needs to take in the future. Well, I guess it's pretty simple, really, isn't it, in that by creating more greenhouse gases, we accelerate climate change. That's really a simple link. Simply, you know, having cows particularly and sheep, but also other livestock to a lesser degree, they produce lots of greenhouse gases as they feed and consume food. There's also significant um, investment of resources into growing and feeding these livestock, which obviously will contribute to a huge amount of waste. Greenhouse gases and other waste products are all being produced at huge rates just to produce one cow for market. So Veli, for around about one kilogram of beef, it takes a staggering 15,000 litres of water. So then you compare it to plant-based proteins, and for around about one kilogram of tofu to be produced, it takes about 3,000 litres of water. So the difference between the two is astonishing, and it's definitely not something that's going unnoticed anymore. 
there's definitely been more information available to the public on the production and usage rates than ever before. So it's interesting to see that there's still a mass percentage of people supporting the meat industry, especially here in Australia, considering many regions have been severely affected by drought and have had water restrictions placed on them for many years and can readily see that our meat industry is using this much water to produce a small amount of food we consume. Yes, I definitely agree. And it's something that I think people let slide by because meat is such a staple. So not a second thought is put into what is being taken away from us. Another toll that many may or may not be aware of is the beef industry's impact on forestry. Yes, so there is a large percentage of people who are still in the unknown about the severity of this issue. Right now, beef production is the top driver of deforestation. It is more than double that of soy, wood and palm oil. So if we're seeing these rates right now, we have to question what this will mean for forests, specifically the Amazon, where we are seeing the impact unfold at such a rapid pace. There's an issue when we clear rainforests in that people think we'll just cut a little bit more off, a little bit more off. And it's as though because this total area of rainforest is so vast in the Amazon that it will just keep going forever. But you actually reach a tipping point because trees trap moisture in the landscape. So by deforesting these areas, you're actually changing the climate of the area instantly. When enough trees are removed, you reach a critical tipping point where the environment begins to dry up. Seedlings of rainforest plants can't all germinate properly. And with these continuing slashing and burning regimes to create more farms, there's simply no time for these species to kind of slowly encroach back and grow back into the forest that we need as a lungs of our planet. Agricultural experts and bodies such as the Fellowship of Land Usage and the Sustainable Agriculture Research and Education Foundation have encouraged us to eat less meat for over 50 years. But as both the global population and economy grows, so does meat consumption. Here in Australia, meat is a staple of our diet, a feature on every dinner table around a nation. I would eat meat in roughly two meals a day, like either breakfast, dinner or lunch and dinner. Three, four times a week? I value having protein in my diet every day, but I don't agree with how it's sourced in Australia. Like, go towards the free range first. I tend to look not only at the price, but mainly at how the animal is raised and if it's killed ethically and if it's sustainable for the planet. Cellular agriculture is the emerging field of producing animal products from cell culture rather than animals. This field builds on advances in biotechnology and currently informs food science of protein-containing products such as milk and eggs, as well as tissue-based foods such as meat and fish. So Ada, where did all this begin? So it began in 2011 when scientists at Maastricht University developed the test tube sausage. A test tube sausage? What, what is that? Yeah, so scientists called Mark Post demonstrated how to use biotechnology to grow a sausage from a cellular level. You could say that this was the birth of this breakthrough in food production. Right, right. So... Can you run me through the process of how cultured meat is grown? Yes. So it starts off with a stem cell, and these are grown nowadays inside the animal's body. Those stem cells are provided with molecules called growth factors, which circulate the animal's body. There are other growth factors called proliferating-inducing growth factors, which tell those stem cells to multiply and increase in number. Then comes the differentiation-inducing growth factors, which tell those stem cells to become a final functioning cell type. 
So I know it's all a little confusing, but to start the culturing process, a biopsy is taken from the animal, around the size of a peanut, and it's placed into a liquid solution called a growth media. And this has fed all of those growth factors, as I previously mentioned. So you can think of a growth media as a nutritional shot. It helps the cells proliferate and then differentiate. These cells are then placed into bioreactors. Try and think of it like how a brewery is set up, where they are fed and then they are grown. Wow. So we've essentially developed a brand new way of obtaining meat products. Uh, but what about the price for customers? The average price of a kilogram of a Scotch Phillips steak costs around $33. How will cultured meat compare to this cost? Yes, yeah, so there isn't a price yet on what this meat will be like once it hits the market in Australia. But with any product that is new and being manufactured on a small scale requiring a lot of technology and a deep understanding of food science, we can expect this cost to be at a significantly higher price compared to our conventional meats. But nevertheless, as this industry grows and we see more manufacturers operating within Australia, we can expect that this price will go down and average out to be roughly around the same margin or a little bit higher than our daily meats. On the question of manufacturing, obviously right now there is only a small scale number of companies across the globe producing this meat. And the production of the meat is done on such a more technical scale than that of conventional meat. So, do you have any concerns or worries for cellular agriculture keeping up with producing at a rate which keeps up with our population's demands? Yes, you definitely make a good point and I also have these same concerns. It's definitely something to think about and considering our population is expected to grow by nearly 2 billion people in the next 30 years. So there is this big question that lies around cellular agriculture being able to compete with these demands. So I spoke with Bianca Lee who is a cell biologist and the director of Cellular Agriculture Australia. This is a non-profit organisation dedicated to developing and promoting sustainable food systems about how she sees these demands being met. So I guess the question isn't about competing with these demands, but it can be a sol- one of the many solutions that can address these problems. So in addition to um, a more climatarian diet, which includes uh, eating more plant-based foods, um, eating less uh, unsustainable forms of meat, so uh, we know that there are certain animal agricultural practices that are uh, really resource-intensive Cellular agriculture can address those problems. We know that more people are wanting to eat meat, not less. So in order to not only allow consumers to eat meat, we can produce that exact same product in a more sustainable way. So I believe cellular agriculture has the potential to move the binary that has up until now polarised both meat eaters and vegans. The new food identity brings forth not only this chance to grow a sustainable and ethical way of eating, but a new level for meat eaters and vegans to collaborate and work together. But it's inevitable that everyone will have different opinions on the industry. So I asked Bianca what her experience has been so far in seeing both vegans and meat eaters coming together in her field of work. The great thing about this industry is that we're getting so many different uh, demographics and and types of people getting into the field because they all come in it from a different angle. So whether you're um, interested in cellular agriculture for animal welfare reasons or for human health reasons, sustainability reasons, or even people who are in it because it's a great money-making industry. There are so many different... um, There's a lot of diversity of thought in this industry and I think that's what makes it so successful. 
The farming industry employs nearly 230,000 people in Australia, and for many of them, meat production is not just a way of life, but it's their way of earning a living. These jobs are of great importance to many people and would be devastating to those communities if they were lost. That makes it important that cellular agriculture should be adapted with this in mind, to provide as little disruption as possible to the existing industry. Yeah, so Australian farmers are definitely still needed uh, in, as the population of our, of our world is increasing. So we're still going to need a lot of uh, plants and crops uh, produced for uh, not only plant-based meats, um, but also to produce the uh, growth media that is supplying the cells. So the cells need food themselves. Uh, instead of having feedlots, we produce uh, what's called a cell culture media, which is produced by plants. Um, so there's definitely still space for Australian farmers to get involved in this industry. It's important to not only look at the industry through the eyes of the average meat eater, but people who are vegetarian and vegan. This industry provides a chance for the polarisation that has existed between both meat eaters and plant-based eaters to be lifted. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Ada? Yeah, so it's a really interesting field to see where vegans and vegetarians' attitudes lie. Their perspectives differ across the board. So some vegans and vegetarians object to cellular agriculture's pro-meat attitude, which can be seen to violate some of their principles of not eating or exploiting any animal of their product. So that would be, for example, their cells. So last week, I was fortunate enough to travel up to North Melbourne to speak with Alexander Tomasich, who has been a vegetarian for over a year and is an enthusiast on the topic. We had a great conversation around his attitudes towards the cellular agricultural industry and also the beef industry, and he really shone light on some issues we have here in Australia over accepting veganism as an equally sustainable food industry. Culturally now, we expect to have luxuries all the time, so I would like to see a shift away from this uh, wanton consumption of luxury into a more sustainable uh, meat-eating culture. Hopefully, vegetarianism and veganism maybe plays a part in that as people um, become more aware of the benefits of those diet choices. But I do think that culturally we are mostly meat eaters as compared to some cultures that have a more plant-based um, plant eating culture. And so I think meat eating will always play a part, but hopefully cellular meat will provide an alternative to, <laughs> to the large-scale agricultural industry and what it does to Australia. So Ada, what are the, some of the first steps the listeners can take if they want to start eating more sustainably? Yes, yeah, so I would say the first step is cutting back the amount of red meat consumed, but I do know that for some this is harder than just simply saying it. And so I guess for a lot of people the other thing can be a transition to a different diet, so going from uh, traditional um, meat-based diet to say pescatarianism, which I think is a good first step away from red meat and the industry that promotes red meat. Lab-grown meat in Australia is still in its relative infancy. It's not really available in supermarkets for purchase just yet. And even once it is, it will face a lot of hurdles in our country, from price, environmental impact, and all the way to societal acceptance. But we're still in the midst of its impact on how we think about food and we're all likely to talk more about it once it starts to take a greater part in our lives.
This has been Veli Donmez and Ada Hall for this one's an explainer.